Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Once again, we're glad, we are really glad that you're here. And as the Lord sees fit, I pray that this message will be used for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, again, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd bless your word. Lord, I pray that Christ would be lifted up. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, may they come to know you. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Galatians 4, let's start in verse 1. Paul writes in Galatians, Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, Now I say, verse 1, that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But he is under tutors and governors under the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under the law. Now, eventually, we are going to be going to Luke chapter 2, the very passage that was read this morning. But first of all, there are some things I'd like for us to focus on a little bit. But understand, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. Christmas is a joy. Now, I know some people, they, uh, they hold their breath at it. It's, it's not really all that much joy. That's too bad because there's so much that we can remember what this speaks of. But there are indeed sober realities when it comes to, when it comes to celebrating Christmas. And, and I think really... It was an atheist that was bemoaning Christmas and mocking Christians that really nailed it down. He said, don't you realize that there's people on this earth that when they celebrate this, what they're celebrating is God had to send a sacrifice because of man's sin, and he was mocking that, but he was right. Can I bring a couple of things out, please? This Bible lets us know truth. And it's not, it's not something that is all wrapped up just in a cute little baby. Number one, every person in this room, every person that has ever lived is going to live somewhere forever. Do you realize there's never gonna be a time there will never be a time, according to my Bible, there will never be a time you will not have a conscious thought. Well, yeah, but what about people in comas? Eventually they wake up. 
if not in this life, they wake up in the next. But there is this truth from God's word. Everybody, you will live somewhere. You will exist somewhere forever. Number two, you will one day stand before God. You and I will stand before God. Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. What takes place then is not what you think or feel, but what God says will happen. Now, I know, again, stand before God. Well, what's the big deal? What's the problem? Remember the babe in the manger? He grew up to be the one who died on the cross for our sin. But before he died, he said this to his disciples and those that were listening. John 7, 7, people that were following him. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth. Why? And this is the reason he gave. Because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. You know, a lot of people, they'll embrace Christmas as long as this. All it is, is a babe in the manger, or, you know, they'll settle for Santa. They'll live with that. But that's not what Christmas is all about. Again, Jesus Christ was born to die for our sin. You know what's a sin in this world? It's a sin to tell others of their sin. It's a sin to call sin, sin. That's what a sin is in this world. That's why there are people that give the gospel and get shut out by Facebook, others. That's why there's people, they just, before the services started this morning, when my wife and I got here early, there was a really nice car sitting out front. I thought, I'm gonna invite him to church. I'll give him a gospel tract, you know? Went out there, knocked in the window. He barely rolled it down. Said, hey, listen, I just wanna give you an invitation. No thanks, window goes up. All right, that's prerogative. I'm not gonna force anything on him. But what's he expect when he stops in front of a Bible preaching church? Folks, listen, Christ came not to be celebrated, but to be accepted. Christ came because we had a need. So you're going to exist somewhere, somewhere forever. One day, you and I will stand before God. You might say, well, hey, you know something? I believe that preacher, no problem. I get, no, okay. Then point number three, behavior follows belief. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. If you know something by faith, but you'd rather be guided by feeling at the very least you're a double-minded person. And you know what the book of James says about that. 
So let's understand this. In order to really comprehend why the Bible says what it says, we need to recognize the seriousness of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was for this reason. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because when he created mankind, he created him for eternity. And we will live somewhere forever. There's not going to be a time where you stop having a conscious thought. And one day you and I will stand before God. I have written in my devotions every time I open up my prayer my prayer journal. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Praise God. Why is that important? I just read it in my devotions yesterday. Revelation 20.15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, people can bet against that. People can bet against it. I wouldn't bet against God. I wouldn't bet against God. You know, every morning when we wake up, the world makes sure that we know what's going on. We have this thing called the media. How many of you are getting a little tired of the media? Now, I like knowing what's going on, but I'd rather hear more than the what. I want to hear the why. And not from those who have rejected God, I want to hear it from God himself. Why? You know, there's a fascinating verse that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 13, he said, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now let this sink in. There are people that get a kick out of asking Christians questions, knowing they can't answer the question, but trying to make them look foolish. You know, well, who created God? God didn't create God. God has been, well, yeah, but how long? And on and on and on. Listen, there are things that we will not know until we get to heaven. There's, there we're going to see this and go, now I get it. Now I understand it. Now I see it. What we need to do is we need to be grown-ups about this and say, look, there are some things I'm not going to learn, but there are some things I can learn. A scoffer goes, well, if you can't answer all my questions, then I'm not going to listen. You know, try that. When you don't have all the answers and somebody asks you in the middle of a flight to fly an airplane, I rest my case. Many people today are not happy with government. I'm not happy with government. But consider how much we read in God's word that speaks of God's redemptive power that took place in spite of bad government, 
bad leaders. Think of Moses. He was born into a country that was abusing his country terribly. You think of Daniel. Daniel was a slave. But God took them and others, and in spite of what was going on, he was able to weave through time the redemption of Christ. You stop and consider what is going on right now in the Middle East. There's an answer for all that. We're not going to get into that today. But believe me, the same wicked one that was working back then trying to destroy Christ or his lineage, he's trying to destroy a whole lot today. That's for another message. You consider this. I don't understand it all. But there is one interesting, there's a couple of interesting verses. Ephesians 4.1, excuse me, 1.4. According as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. There's other passages that go on. Peter talks about this. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as, without a lamb, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was, fairly, who was verily, who verily was foreordained, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. These are things that we don't know, we don't understand completely. But I'm begging you to look at the face value of the story of God's son coming and dying on the cross, rising again the third day, victory over the grave and over sin. And please, don't scoff at it. Don't mock it. Listen to it. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Remember that verse we read in Galatians 4. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. There's a Greek word there's a Greek word for time that refers to a critical point. Something, there's, there's something epic making that is going to take place here. That's not the word that the Lord directed Paul to use here. He used a word that simply means a lapse of time. Okay, there's a certain, there's a certain time that comes here and here and here. Lisa's going to celebrate her birthday on Tuesday. Why? That's her birthday. That's just, it's not epic. It's just this, one day you might think it's epic, but, but you know, it, just, it just comes on the calendar. January 1st, that's the, time, that's the day that we, okay, this is the first day of the year. It just takes place. When that moment of time, which completed the period of designated by God that should elapse <clears throat> before the coming of Christ, he would send his son. And so here it was. Understand this. It was the moment that God had ordained for Messiah's coming, what he's talking about here. To Daniel was given the date. 
483 years after the edict of the Medo-Persian government to rebuild Jerusalem. That's when Christ would come. Secondly, the Mosaic law had done its work, given by Moses, dispersed not just to the Jews, but to many in the world, they understood this. We do wrong. The Bible calls it sin. Third, here was the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire helped when it came with not knowing that it was doing it, helped when it came for the birth of the Savior. You stop and consider, you read of history, Rome built city after city after city after city and then built roads to go to those cities. Roman law protected Roman citizens. So somebody like the Apostle Paul could live a little bit longer while he preached and taught the gospel. Thanks to Greek and Roman conquest, Latin and Greek were known across the empire. By the way, <clears throat> is this nation perfect? No. But God has used America. Once God was able to stir his people in America to get a burden for the gospel, English became so universal in the world it opened doors for missions and missionaries to go around the world that would help them learn other languages. And because of this prestige, listen, at one time, I don't know what the, what the percentage is right now, but a couple of decades ago, 85% of the money that was given to get the gospel out around the world 85% came from the United States. The majority, I'm sure, still comes. God has used America in spite of itself. It's the same thing with Rome. God used Rome, its laws, its military, in order to establish peace in the empire. So, and Rhodes, by the way, so when it came time for the apostles, for disciples, God's people to go, they went and they were able to go far. My wife and I will never forget when we flew into Chennai. That's the place that according to tradition holds the body of Thomas. Remember, doubting Thomas, why? Because he went from Israel, all the way down the west coast of India, went down to Kerala and started seven churches. And the impact of those seven churches is still felt today in India. That's what Rome did. If you would please, go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Let's understand this. Christ's birth at Bethlehem was not an accident. It was an appointment. Verse 1. 
And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. That man's name in full was Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus. Augustus was not part of his real name. It was his title. He was the emperor of Rome from 27 BC to 14 AD. And he was known as a very arrogant man. In fact, how he got Augustus, he demanded of the Senate that they give him that title, which means exalted one upon him. And so today we deal with the month August, which was named after him. And also we deal with July, which is named after his great uncle, Julius Caesar. Under Caesar Augustus, Rome expanded further than at any time. It went from the British Isles all the way to the Tigris River in the east. He ruled most of what historians thought was the civilized world. Now stop and consider, again, the time of Christ's coming. Look at verse 2. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. That Greek word taxed is from the Greek word which means to enter in a register or to enter a public record, the names of people, their property, and their income. This kind of census was taken every 14 years. It was done specifically to make sure that everybody in the empire was known and how much they had because there was something coming because of it. It's called a tax. The uh, Roman Empire taxed their, civil, their, their, their citizens heavily. And that helped eventually bring the empire down. Go to verse four, if you would. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, which is called, under the city of David, excuse me, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, catch this. It's very important. The decree of Augustus was used by God. He used it, God used it, to put his son in the right place at the right time. Was it a difficult situation? How many of you ladies that have ever had children, if you were nine months pregnant, you'd like to go on a trip like this? Not fun. But here's the thing that we need to understand. God can use the authorities that you and I have to help spread his gospel. We don't like what's going on, but God uses it. There's so much more I'd like to say there, but I said it during Sunday school. God uses it. The Lord can work through your authorities. The Lord used this to put Mary in the place where she needed to be. Micah 
We're talking about a prophecy from hundreds of years before. Micah 5.2, but thou Bethlehem Ephrathah. Why Bethlehem Ephrathah? Because there were two Bethlehems in Israel. It had to nail down the specific one. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. This Messiah, was to be born exactly where he was, according to God's word. That's how God does things. Go to verse six. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end, you, you got to see this. Because of this census and the importance of it, listen, Joseph and Mary both were part of the Davidic line. They had to go back along with thousands of others. Joseph was living in Nazareth, but needed to travel to Bethlehem for he and Mary to register. Bethlehem was seven miles south-southwest of Jerusalem. That little town was about 2,300 feet above sea level. The trip, and remember Mary, the trip would be a 90-mile uphill journey for Mary. Not easy. How many of you that have known the Lord for quite a while, you understand that sometimes what you're called to, it isn't easy, but God gets the glory. It was a difficult journey, but she had to be there in Bethlehem. Sometimes we wind up going through difficulty, but if it's for God's glory, to God be the glory. There may be difficulty in your path of life, but there are blessings. And they were there for Joseph and Mary. Bethlehem was packed. Now, in studying this, I came across something that, well, I hate to tell you, but the play that we just put on was wrong in one spot. In fact, I've been wrong when I've taught this, when I've preached this. In the Greek, there are two words for the word in, I-N-N. The first is what we would think about. It was a place where there was a proprietor. There's rooms for people to stay. There are provisions, not only for the animals, but also for the people. And there's a place for them to sleep. There's somebody there, again, that's on site and they are allowed in. They can go to the, you know, different rooms or whatever. But there's another word for the word in. And that's the word that is used here. This place does not have a proprietor. Uh, 
I love seeing my grandson being the, the innkeeper, but there was no innkeeper. What it was is it was a place outside. Many of them had a roof. They had water, but you had to bring your own provision for your animal. You had to bring your own provision for you. There might be a place for you to bunk out under the stars. It just simply had a wall and you went in and there it is. That place, those kind of places were filled as well. So understand, it could have been that Joseph went to a regular inn and knocked on the door, but the word that is used here, Joseph went to this kind of inn, possibly again and again and again. Understand, he's got Mary with him. She's gonna have a baby. But he went, all the, the, all the places are full. There's no place to put their animal. It's all taken up. The only thing that he figured, well, it's getting late. I'm going to try and find a place where we can just tie up the animals. They would have places that were carved out limestone caves, very shallow, not big, but they were there and they could just, it was kind of like a hitching post. You, you could put your animals there. You just hitch them up and that's it. That's it. They don't even have water. And here he is. They found a place where they could tie up their animal. And there was something there known as a stable, a place where they put food for the animals. And that's what Christ was put in. My wife and I saw one of these when we were in Israel. It's just, it's made kind of like co concrete. I'm sure they could make them of wood too, but that's what Christ was put in. So understand this. Joseph and Mary wound up bedding down in a place that was filled with urine and feces and flies and dirty animals. This is not a place that is clean and they don't have cleaning wipes with them. They don't have any of that. And that is where they had to bed down as best they could and Mary bore the King of Kings right there. Truly, there was no room at the inn, any inn. That's been kind of like where God's, where the Lord's life was the whole time that he was here. In Luke 9, he told someone, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. That's been the challenge. Man has never really, generally, been eager to make room for Christ. Sometimes it's because we're full of ourselves. 
sometimes it's because we're full of the activities of this world. I don't know about you, but in looking at mankind, I realize this. We are absolute masters at lying to ourselves. We will pretend that there's no need to think about the most important thing. As long as I can get through this day, not to sweat. That's not the case. This Saturday, sadly, we're gonna be having a memorial service for a man that used to sit right there next to his wife. He was only 51 until four months ago. Three? Okay, that's no problem. Ask my wife. I miscount a lot. But he's not here. 51 years of age. She comes home and he's not there. Only his body. We don't think about that. But the fact is, we need to think about it. God's timing plus God's purposes equals our need. As much as we'd like to poo-poo it, the fact is, mankind sins. We know it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. That word death means separation. When Sean died that day, three months ago, he's separated from his body. He's with the Lord now. He knew Christ as his Savior. Do you? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, through that babe that was born in a filthy place, but grew up as the Son of God, died on the cross for your sin and mine, and then rose again. That Christ gives eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I can't do anything. I can't say anything to persuade you. It's the Holy Spirit that does that work. Sadly, there are those that say no to the Holy Spirit. But he's trying to speak. Let him speak. Even this morning. 